Don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. And that's such a good saying, man. I, I actually have it written down on my desk on a sticky note because it's so easy to look at these people who you think have it all together and you're like, man, where am I messing up? It's not that. They might be good at concealing it out in public, but we all have our demons, man. It's really focusing on who you're being. So when I, I get such a joy for being there with others, mm-hmm. I like being the rock. I like the feeling of being that person who's there for my friends. I like that feeling of like being called to be somebody's best man. And like when somebody dies in their family, they they call me for support or just to be there with them. I want to be that so bad that I enjoy that being. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. We have a super, super, super exciting show today. Uh, The gentleman who's on the show today, I had the privilege of um, hearing him speak recently and was probably one of the top most, I would say, five impactful conversations that I've ever heard um, at Go Abundance. And so I really uh, just, you know, we've been talking about getting him on the show for a while. We've had some great conversations over the years, but, you know, we just spent 20 minutes pre-recording just talking through some stuff. And I love the way that this guy thinks about business, the way that he thinks about life, how he integrates family, friendships, business, relationships. Um, I, I'm going to invite him into the elite community to speak about becoming a process millionaire because this guy has just mastered it. And I, I'm really excited for the episode today because, you know, just getting into the, uh, as he calls the, I won't steal his thunder, but basically like the boring things that we do repetitively that are success, um, you know, that's where the magic is. And so um, anyway, without further ado, Kevin, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, man, that was one of the nicest introductions I think I've ever had. So I really appreciate that, man. And it was a pleasure getting to know you back at Tahoe for for a little bit longer than I have in the past and look forward to to this conversation for sure. I really enjoy doing this. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I know you're going to add a ton of value today. So let's jump into the questions. Who's Who's had the greatest impact on your life? I would say that I had a mentor. His name is Greg Harrelson. So, uh, so when I graduated college, and uh, and I'll, I'll do like a brief background um, that uh, my girlfriend in college got pregnant. Um, we were juniors in college. Um, I was not focused on having a family or where I was going to live. I didn't even know what I was really going to do when I graduated. So life got real very fast for me. So when she got pregnant, she she said we had to move to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is where I'm at right now. And that's where her family was. So then I was uprooted to Myrtle Beach immediately um, upon graduating. I had to graduate a year faster than I planned on graduating. I was going to be a five-year rock star and uh, didn't end up happening. I had to take summer classes and really load up on schoolwork. We moved in together. Um, I got a job selling cars uh, because it was the only thing hiring immediately. And I gravitated from that to real estate because I was tired of people rejecting my product. I wanted people to reject me. 
I wanted to sell myself because I knew if I had to sell myself, um, I could do a really good job doing that and I could close a lot better. I knew sales was was something that I was going to be pretty good at. So I searched real estate agents or real estate agencies in our market. Greg Harrelson's name came up. He's the owner of a, of a Century 21 agency here locally, but it's actually been the number one Century 21 real estate company nationally for, I'd say, probably 10 out of the last 15 years. Mm. And, uh, and so he was a monster. I didn't even know it. And uh, he's somebody who is extremely process driven, very cut and dry. He's a mentor that uh, will scold you when you're not doing what you say you want to do. He will challenge you daily. And he is one to really, uh, really push me away from shiny object syndrome and, uh, and get me in the grit and in the dirt. Sets the expectation of this is going to be tough, this is going to be hard, but this is going to be rewarding. And so uh, when I started working for him, man, and I had him right next to me every single day, it was just very impactful how uh, how he just kept me focused on doing the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're going to relate this to somebody who uh, who everybody knows, like a Kobe Bryant, right? It's like every day Kobe Bryant took a thousand shots. Mm-hmm whether he missed 800 or he made 800 or whether the day beforehand he was on fire or whether he was off really bad the night beforehand, every day he took a thousand shots and somebody had ingrained in him. I don't know if it was a dad or a basketball coach or whoever it was that this is the way that you're going to get to where you want to be. And he listened to that person or that person held him accountable and he continued doing it every day. And that was me. For me, it was, you have to make a hundred contacts a day. You have to talk to somebody who wants your services and you have to talk to a hundred of them a day. And at that time, it was back in 2013, which uh, wasn't that long ago, I guess. It was, you have to make sure you have all their cell phone numbers and all their email addresses. So uh, so for him, he's still in my life. He's still a mentor in my life. We, we own a couple companies together and we own a lot of real estate together. But for him, it was just that tough kind of father-like voice in the background who just kept me on track. Instead of just, just going off to the left or off to the right when I had hundreds of opportunities to do so. So good, man. You might've answered this already, and if not, great. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? I would say to blindly committing to my mentor. In, in today's age, man, there's so many videos out there. There's so many podcasts. There's so many YouTube videos. And there's so many different coaches out there that you can listen to one coach and be like, man, that was awesome. I got all these notes. And you listen to the next coach. And he says the complete opposite of that coach. Mm-hmm. But it sounded awesome as well. And you're like, oh, gosh, which one do I listen to? Then you listen to a third person. He's doing something completely different than them. And then the fourth guy over here is like, no, I don't listen to them. Go this route. So there's so many different people you can listen to. Each have done incredible things, but you're really not committed to any of their approaches. You're listening to everybody else's approaches. So for me, I committed to that mentor. I committed to the coaching process that we went through, and I shut out all outside voices. Actually, at one point during his coaching, he said, you have to delete all your social media you can't, you have to delete all your podcasts and you can't get on YouTube for the next 90 days. He goes, dude, you're too confused. Yeah. He goes, you're too confused. Like you're coming to me every day with all these different ideas about how we could be doing this or why aren't we doing this or how are we doing this? And you're not focused on the process. Mm-hmm. You're looking at everything else and you're just grabbing, grabbing for stuff. And he goes, and that's not the way that you're going to build success. It's going to be slow and steady. It's going to be this relentless grind for a little bit. Then you're going to be able to leverage other people, other opportunities, your money, whatever else it might be. But you need to build it slow. You're building a foundation here. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, that was a, a very good lesson for me. One that I still have to learn every single day because things come up every day that's shiny and looks fun and looks interesting. But, um, but I would say that's the best lesson he's instilled in me. That's so good. And I want to pause for a second and just point out for the audience uh, that don't know you, we're talking to a guy who has been the number one Century 21 agent in the world at, at one, once or twice, right? Yeah, yeah, in 2019 and 2021. 
And uh, in the state of South Carolina, I've been the number one agent in the state since I think 2017 or 2018, uh, up until now. So uh, have, have been have had somewhat of success in real estate, which it, it, I tell you, man, it was the goal of mine at some point. Um, and then when I hit it, I realized everything I lost with that being a goal. Like how many weekends did I miss with my kids and how many activities did I miss? And like not their birthday parties, but their friends' birthday parties and like trips that I would send them on. Like I was so committed to hitting that goal that like I would send, because I knew vacations are important and I wanted my wife and my kids to have a lot of vacations and travel a lot. I would send them on vacations without me. And when they were gone, I, I would just be hustling, hustling, calling, calling, really working as hard as I could. And the day that I, I realized the first time I hit that number one in the world, which was a goal of mine, for one second, when I looked at that list, I was like, boom. And then I looked around, dude, and nobody else cared. Like, it, it's not like the world just shut down. It's not like I, I had I had Jay-Z calling me. You know what I mean? Nobody cared. That was an, only an egotistical goal. Uh, there's a guy that you know named Jeff Cohn, I believe, right? Do you yep. know Jeff? Yep. Um, so Jeff, Jeff's a guy I went and I, I, I went to one, his first event. My mentor actually spoke there. He invited him to come speak. And I looked at the way that Jeff was doing real estate and Jeff doesn't go on appointments. He doesn't, he doesn't meet with people. He has an entire team. His structure, his processes are incredible. But, uh, I used to judge that as like, man, this guy doesn't sell real estate. Like, you know what I mean? He, he leads a team. Like he's not out there hustling. He ain't grinding. He ain't going on appointments. Like that's me. Like, who is this guy? Like I, I used to just have this negative mentality towards him because he wasn't like the grinder, right? He put all the systems in place and everybody else did all the work. And uh, slowly but surely, man, I realized how backwards I've had it. Mm. Right. Uh, but, um, but he's an interesting one in the real estate space, but, uh, but yeah, man. And so, uh, so even like last year, I think that we closed somewhere close to 325 real estate transactions in, uh, in our market. So that's, that's so, yeah, that's awesome, man. And, you know, I want to circle back to something that you said, you know, we, we set these goals in life and, and I think this is important for the audience. I, I think about this a lot because, Goals are just like, you know, it's like the book that one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan, I was in strategic coach for a while, but he wrote the book with Ben Hardy, you know, the gap in the gain. Um, and I just remember when, when I was in coach and Dan was talking about this, like that goalpost just always keeps moving. And, and I think it's such a valuable lesson because, you know, just even thinking about financial freedom, we're on the investing for freedom podcast. And I remember, you know, the American dream is to retire, right. To find financial freedom. Yeah. And even in go abundance, we're always like, what's your horizontal income? What's your vertical income? Yeah. Like what's the number? And all that is important. But I love what you said there, because I think we have to be careful sometimes of not wrapping goals are important. Financial goals are important. Like the lifestyle we want is important. But I think we have to be careful not wrapping our identity up in that. And when I sold my business, when I was 34 years old, you know, basically I retired. And even when I joined GoBundance, I had the horizontal pillar killer award one year because I still get paid, you know, multiple, multiple six figures from that exit. And, and it's passive. Like I don't even think about it. But the day that I sold that business at 34, like I thought the heavens were going to open up and there, you know, somebody was going to like come roll out the red carpet and there was going to be a big like retirement party. And dude, I woke up the next day and I was like, now what? Like what, what's next? You know what I mean? Yeah. Feel a little lost at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I that, that point. I started to question how good of a husband was I and how good of a father was I. And I didn't start thinking about that until after, because that goal consumed me. Mm -hmm. That was what I wanted. I didn't have any father goals. I didn't have any husband. I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be a good husband. But my goals never went farther than that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do good, uh, which isn't a goal. It's not a smart goal. It's not a specific, measurable 
unattainable, time specific, all that, which I try to set with all my goals now. But um, but that that was a big change for me when I hit that and I realized that that, that goal is not going to get me to where I want to go. So good. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from that lesson? I, uh, I entered a lawsuit. We, we got it and I'm actually still in the lawsuit, so I can't go too, too deep into it. But uh, if I were to think of my biggest setback is I had, I had an experience where, where somebody uh, really violated me. And, uh, and on that, I've never, I haven't felt that emotion, man, in so long, like mm-hmm. violated. Like it's not an emotion that I can ever remember feeling in my entire life. And uh, it really made me have to step back and look at who I'm being and what I want out of this experience and, and kind of what how I want to proceed on this. Because at no point did anything else matter for that specific second other than like my, I just got violated. So, uh, so so through that, man, I had a lot of self-discovery. I hired Dr. Kelly Flanagan. Again, who I think a lot of people know to, to really dive into who I was as a as a child and and accepting that little boy for the decisions that he made in his life and, and really juggling into my life. But I went on this whole setback of um, really diving into exploring myself, which I never thought it was never a priority of mine to do that. Um, so where it was a breakdown, it led to a massive breakthrough. Mm. Uh, so I, I'd say that I'll, I'll always have setbacks in my life, but I think that they'll really, they'll really plunge me forward into something extraordinary. So on that, I would say that it caused me to be very intentional about my emotions and what emotion that, that I was letting out of me, because when you feel violated, you're already kind of, you're almost at anger at that point. So everything was almost triggering me. So I had a little while where where I wasn't myself and, and I was allowing that to consume my energy and the best part of me. So I really got into meditation. Tony Robbins, I was doing the priming every single morning. I was resetting my mind. As soon as I got in my driveway every night, I had this sticky note that said, the game is over, turn it off. Mm-hmm. So I'd sit there and I would just say, okay, whether I won today or I lost today, now it's time to show up and be a husband. Now it's time to show up and be a dad. So where it did lead to a massive breakthrough, that first feeling of uh, of having to go even through the legal process and the prosecuting and the violation and everything else that kind of went back on it, it was just something I never thought I'd ever have to go through in my life. So that that was the biggest setback. You know, I I, I put a I put a story up this morning when I was sitting in the sauna. Um, <laughs> speaking of you know early early morning uh, habits and rituals, um, my father in law. My father-in-law and mother-in-law went to Israel recently, and um, when I saw him, he handed me this little leather pouch. And he said, there's there's five rocks in there that I got from the Valley of Allah, I think is how you say it. And it's where, you know, David killed the Goliath in the Old Testament, the story. So this is the place where it happened. And I just wow. put up a story this morning. I, I, I carry that like leather it's in my office and, and every once in a while, like I'll just, I'll pick that thing up. And, and it's a reminder for me of like, you know, I'm, I'm here to slay giants, right? And the thing that I, the reason why I wanted to share that and, and ask you a question around this, it's like, I think so many people look at someone like Kevin Mills, who's positive. Like you're always, you're like the rock for, for everyone around you. Like you're the guy that everybody can count on. And I think sometimes, you know, when people are listening to the show or they're seeing us on social media, or even if they, you know, know us, um, they think that, you know, Kevin's like, Kevin's just got it all together. And the thing that I want to point out, and I've said this for a long time, is that, you know, life doesn't get easier. We get bigger and we get better. And we just learn to, 
you know, overcome. And, and we do the work with uh, like Dr. Flanagan and, and, and get in touch with that little boy. And so I just want to kind of mirror back and ask you the question, like, number one, do you find that true? Because I think, again, some people might be like, oh, Kevin's got everything together. Like he's the number one agent. He's got all this real estate and, and he gets to go on vacations and everything's perfect, but man, it's a grind. And, and, and like, when I hear that story that you just shared, and I appreciate you being honest about it, it's like, we don't, life doesn't get easier. We get better. Do you, do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that, man. And I, John White said something in a in that Facebook group that we're a part of, and uh, it really stuck with me. He said, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. Mm. That's such a good saying, man. I, I actually have it written down on my desk on a sticky note because it's so easy to look at these people who you think have it all together, and you're like, man, where am I messing up? Mm-hmm. It's not that they might be good at concealing it out in public, but we all have our demons, man. And that that's what really, and Dr. Kelly helped me a lot with that as well. It's really focusing on who you're being. So when I, I get such a joy for being there with others, it's selfish joy. Mm-hmm. I like being the rock. I like the feeling of being that person who's there for my friends. I like that feeling of like being called to be somebody's best man. And like when somebody dies in their family, they, they call me for support or just to be there with them. I want to be that so bad that I enjoy that being. Mm. I, that, that's probably the most fulfilling thing I can be is be there for friends, be there for family, be there for the ones that I love. And so much of the time, as Dr. Kelly would say, and how you would you would say it too, and all the guys I surround myself, we're in the do, right? We have to do this and we have to do that and we have to do this. And, and by doing, you're not going to get fulfillment. Mm. By being, you're going to get fulfillment. Never gotten fulfilling by doing. Yeah. Doing 300 transactions by myself to be the number one agent in the world, I didn't get fulfillment. Being a giver and being there for whoever it might be. Let's just take Nick Stogerberg because he publicly said it. When Nick Stogerberg's mom passed away and I immediately called his wife and said, we need to get him out of where he is now and we mm. need to go on a vacation and let him relax and decompress from this. Yeah. And then surprising him with a surprise vacation for three days that was incredible, man. Yeah. It was an incredible experience just to be there for a friend like that. So I think a lot of times, man, we, we want something. We want to have something, but we want to do to have it. Mm-hmm. And we can't do to have it. We have to be to have it. Yeah, It's tough for me. I can't speak for anybody else. Super tough for me. I have to think about it every day. Yeah. And on that thread, I want to um, point something out that I heard you say um, in Tahoe when you were giving your your talk that you shared with the champions, you were, you were talking about a list of friends that you keep. And I think this is important because, um, especially like hearing your background and, and by the way, I kind of came from a completely different thread, but kind of the same thread. My dad was, you know, an alcoholic in and out of my life. And I didn't know how to have relationships, honestly, until I came to go abundance. Like the reason like I found GoBundance in 2018 and I was looking for authentic relationships because what I realized was like every relationship that I had in my life, was my grandma, my mom, my wife. And I didn't have a lot of deep, authentic relationships, but everyone that I had was a woman because I got married so young. You know, I didn't go to college. I didn't have my, we started having kids early. Like I didn't have my bros. Um, even when you were thinking about best men, like I never got to be a best man because I didn't have any friends during like, <laughs> you know, marriage years. When you said that, I was like, wow, that's interesting. Cause I, I literally did not have any male friends until like 2018 when I, so when I joined GoBundance, I set a goal of one authentic relationship a quarter. And when you find a community and a group like GoBundance, you just start realizing like, 
oh my God, like I didn't, I didn't gain one a quarter. Like I've got so many like amazing relationships through that group, but you said something that I thought was really cool. And I want to bring this up around intentionality because if we don't have what we want in life, like for me, I don't, I didn't have deep, authentic male relationships. And it wasn't because of anybody but me. I wasn't engaging. I wasn't being intentional. And I love the way that you think about business from a process perspective. I'm going to do X amount of things. And what you said was you keep a list of your top 30 friends. I thought this was way, way, way important. And you actually rank them and you make sure that you're engaging with them. And some people would say that's shallow. And I say the opposite, because if we're not intentional around connection, whether it's with our kids or with our wives or with that top 30 list, just talk to us about that a little bit. Like what spawned that and, and what yeah. drives you there? I'm not going to call out the Go Abundance guy. There's okay. a Go Abundance guy who, who I completely stole this from. Okay. And he actually does it to a, a level of extreme accountability. He has a top 100 friends list and then he has a top 100 couples list. So he has like the top 100 couples that, that, that he enjoys spending time with both of them and his wife enjoys the wife. Because he has friends where he enjoys the husband, the wife might not enjoy the wife or vice versa. So he keeps this and he's very intentional about, okay, I want to do one trip a year with my top five couples. So I want to keep that relationship. I uh, My top 15, I want to talk to this way. He has this whole process driven out. He even has it down to every week. Um, I want it in my calendar at 1030 on a different day every single week to text my wife that I love her. Mm. I want flowers delivered once a month on a random day. If, you, if his assistant will just randomly put in flowers at one day and he'll write 12 notes to give his wife and give to his assistant. He has everything very process driven. This guy has an insane amount of success because he is process driven. Mm. And to his wife, he's the most loving husband there is. To his friends, he's one of the most incredible friends that they could ever have. Now, in the background, he has all these systems in place, but why does it matter if everybody thinks that you are and you are that person and that's what leads to those results? So I created a top 30 friends list. I have my top 10 friends I talk to at least every other week. I try to make it uh, I try to make it weekly. My top 20 friends I talk to once a month and my top 30 or my, my bottom 10 to 20 to 30, I talk to every other month. So I have some sort of interaction, whether it's I'm making a Facebook comment to them, I'm making a Facebook message, I'm doing a text message, I'm doing a voice, or I'm uh, I'm calling them, we're having a voice conversation, whatever it might be. And thankfully in GoBundance, we have these pods. So a lot of this is already done for me. Like a couple of these guys are in my pod. So it's like, boom, I check out our interaction like daily. But a couple, like I have two friends from high school that were just in different places. I still keep them in my top 30 because they were there for a really important season of my life. And right now they're in a different season than I'm in, but I can help them. So they're in my top 20. 30. So I have to give them a call every, every, uh, every other month. And I'm very intentional about that. But now, man, I mean, since saying that the interesting thing is, and I'm not boasting about this by any means, but after that presentation, as you know, a bunch of dudes lined up and I, I had like at least 50, like very long, powerful hugs and conversations with guys. And I got note cards from every guy, which was the best part. And thank you so much for yours. Yours, dude, was one of the top five most impactful note cards by far for me. And the one statement that you gave me about working in different environments for your different businesses, I've been applying it and it has made a complete mental shift for me. Hmm. Um, so thank you so much. Um, and I genuinely mean that. And so, uh, so with that top 30, I forgot where I was going with it, but uh, I think I was going to end it by saying I'm extremely intentional around, especially the, the the top 10 guys, just making sure that I'm there for them and that I'm a rock for them. Yeah. You're, you're reminding me, I remember in, in the year 2000, um, and I was, so I was pretty young, but it, I had uh, 
I think Dylan was already born. Um, he was definitely born that year, but I think he was born when this happened. And I went to a Franklin Covey symposium and, and somebody said something. And then I went back like two years later. And by then we had two kids and I went to a what matters most. And they were talking about, you know, just time blocking. It was kind of my first exposure to time blocking. And I remember coming back from that and blocking in, you know, time with my kids and they were young. And I remember kind of having this internal battle where I'm like, you know, this feels weird to me that I have to like intentionally block out time for my kids. It felt inauthentic. It felt unreal. But I quickly got over that because, you know, it's just like vacations or it's just like date night or it's just like anything else that really matters, including your top 30 friends list, which was like a huge revelation for me. It's shifted the way that I'm thinking about that. Um, if you don't pencil out or block out what matters, um, it, it's not going to get met. And so I just such a huge, profound lesson, man. Yeah. That guy says, if it's out on my schedule, it doesn't happen. Hmm. And so I'm, I've tried to be a lot more intentional. And, and I remember where I was going with that last story was out of the 50 or so guys that gave me a note card, I would say somewhere between 10 and 20 of them wrote on there. Um, I want to be in your top 30. So I've had an obscene amount of guys reaching out to me on like a weekly basis, just like, Hey, let's have a conversation and let's talk. And I love it. So it's like, dang, I'm gonna have to dump, bump it to a top 50 list, Yeah, which is awesome for me, dude. I love the authentic relationships. Like yeah. I love being able to be extremely vulnerable with another man and us just going through the challenges, the opportunities, strengths, weaknesses, going through our portfolios, sharing experience about our families and the amount of wise lessons that I learn is incredible. And uh, similar to you, man, I mean, I'm a younger person. So the average age of my friends are 50, 55, maybe. Like, I don't have any friends hardly in their 30s. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's I can learn from a season of their life that they're looking back on. And that's super important for me. My mentor is 58. Yeah. So I'm learning from these different seasons. Like, yeah, I remember when my child was that age, here's something I wish I could go back and do. Here's something that I overlooked. Yeah, I remember like my relationship, like when we were going through this as well. Here's one thing that really turned it around from us. When it comes to spirituality and our faith, one thing that we've done to make sure we didn't get too far away from that was this. So it's incredible, man, just, yeah. just surrounding myself with really good guys. I was thinking about what you were saying about the 30 list going to 50 and what you said earlier about doing versus being. And, you know, I, I've said this for years, but like everything we need is on the other side of a human. And when you said that, like it just kind of anchored something for me because the reality is we can, we can do more and, and meet more people and have a shallow relationship. But if we become more and, and go deeper in, you know, 50 relationships or a hundred or whatever that number is, and, and those people actually know what you need and, and have a relationship being that friend, being that confidant, being that connection, those people actually can probably provide more value to you than going out and, you know, having a thousand conversations in a day. A hundred percent. It's pretty wild. That's why, and, and it, all my friends, I think would say this, including you, I, I try to be a complete open book, vulnerable, transparent. If I feel like the conversation isn't deep enough, or our relationship isn't deep enough. I will share something just completely off the wall about me. That's very intimate. Yeah. That's probably going to cause you to say something very off the wall and intimate about you, which is going to grow us closer. Yeah. It's like the same thing. If I gave you a compliment right now, Mike, the first thing you're going to think of is like, shoot, I got complimented back. <laughs> like if somebody gives you something, you immediately want to give them back yeah. something else. Yeah. If I'm going to open up myself and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to try to grow this relationship, you're going to want to do the same. Yeah. So we can get deep super fast. Yeah. I do that with mentors. I shoot. I mean, if we take it to investing, I do this with sellers. Like I, I'm very fast to do that, to go very deep with a seller on something like my why and why I'm growing this for me and my family and what my vision is on everything. Yeah. I think it goes that deep. 
You know, I, I, you're reminding me of um, the the first pastor that I ever really you know spent a lot of time with, and he used to tell me, he's like, Mike, you know, it's really hard um, to even correct you because you know you're already dealing with whatever it is that you know you've dealt with, and and he said, you know, being that self aware is is a valuable trait because you know like my parents didn't need to chew my ass because I was chewing my own ass, right? But when you're talking about authenticity, um, that's huge. And, you know, Karen and I run a couples mastermind. And I think that's one of the things that like we've really learned is just if you want to take people deep and you want to go deep fast, just be authentic, just be vulnerable, like whatever you want them to be, just be that. And so I love, I love what you're saying there. It's huge. Yeah, dude, that's super impactful. I think about the be all the time. Who am I being? And my wife, that, that's the way our argument, or our, 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 we don't get in too many arguments anymore, thank God. But when we do, or like when something comes up, her first question to me is, who are you being right now? Mm. I'm being an angry husband. I'm being a man who's letting my ego get the best of me. That's good. I'm being foolish. And so I'm doing foolish things. I'm doing things that an angry husband would do. So, what if I try to be a good husband? What, yeah. if I try to, what if I'm, I'd be a rational human being for a minute? You know, the, the one... The one question that I always ask myself or like a frame that I think about a lot and have this conversation with other people too is like, who do I have to become? Everybody always says, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and people are trying to, you know, up-level their group. And um, I was thinking when you said, you know, so many people said, hey, how do I get on Kevin's list? Like, I'm always thinking like, who do I have to become? Because again, when we think through that lens of like, you know, I want to up-level my five friends, like those five friends are not going to let me in their group if I'm like, you know, going to pull their average down. And so I'm always thinking about that. And I'll be honest, when I heard your talk, I said, man, who do I have to become in order to get in Kevin's world on a consistent basis or anybody that um, values relationships at that level? Like, who do I have to become? And it's like what I was saying earlier, like the fact that I didn't have authentic relationships prior to GoBundance it's not really about go abundance. It's about how we show up in that environment. And that environment will chew you up and spit you out if you're not showing up in those pillars and authenticity. Yeah. So um, I was one of the guys that I didn't tell you that, but I was like, how do, like, who do I have to show up as to be on a list of friends like that? Yeah. And for me, when I first started, I, I met five guys at the first go abundance event that I said, I really want these guys to be in my life. So for me, I put us together on a group thread and said, I would like for us to talk every single week. And I would like for us to dive deep. If you guys are committed, I'll do everything. I'll set it up. I'll make it easy. I'll facilitate it. I'll, I'll have questions if everything's going going dark. I'll commit to every single call. Like I went through all this and everybody was like, yeah, that sounds great. So I realized if I put behind the most amount of effort behind it and I'm there to give, and I'm there to make things easier because especially in the circles that I'm trying to level up for all the guys really, they love to do things like this, but it has to be easy. Mm. As soon as things get difficult, they, they immediately want to want to do something else. Cause they don't, they don't want difficult decisions in their life or difficult things. So I'm like, okay, how can I make this very easy and surround them with other guys who I feel like can add a bunch of value. And one thing I think that I add to the table as well. And, and it was very clear yesterday on a pod call that I was on is extreme accountability. Like I was on the call with somebody who had there and it, it probably doesn't matter that much, but just for the purpose, I'm not going to drop their name. Somebody who's worth over a hundred million dollars, very successful by, by everybody else's means. And he had a conversation yesterday of saying, uh, yeah, man, you know, I'm just upset because this person didn't give me like credit. Like they, they took something from me or they used something that I was using and they didn't give me credit. I'm like, dude, who are you being right now? 
You really this whiny little baby who's going to cry that somebody – dude, you really need their credit? That Who – like, what? Your ego, man? Like, dude, how many people do you know worth a billion dollars or a couple hundred million dollars that have been ripped off? Every single one of them. Like, dude, refocus on the story you're telling yourself because it is really holding you back for who you can become. And how many people is going to tell a guy worth $100 million? And I say it because I care about him, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand that that's not the best level of him. That's not the best version of him. Being in an ego state or, or being being in a malicious state of, of, of not liking somebody because they didn't get credit. But being somebody of contribution that, that mm-hmm. was powerful enough to put something out there that somebody else wanted to take and use at a very high level, it's being somebody completely different. Yeah. Have you ever heard that Ronald Reagan quote? There's no limit to the amount of good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Hmm. It's so true, man. So good. I love it. It's so true. So um, the fourth question, this has been so good so far. Um, And maybe you've already answered this. You've given us so much wisdom, but what is the single piece of advice that you find yourself sharing the most? The single piece of advice, I would say daily consistent action beats talent every single time. And I'd say who I share it with the most are my kids. That's probably why I share it so much. Like right now, my kids are seven and nine and they go out to the playground, man. And there is some young boy out there that is absolutely murdering it. Like he's faster than everybody. He's a better basketball player. He's just athletic. Like we all had that kid in our school. And I remind them that in just a few short years, everybody's going to catch up to this boy. Mm -hmm. And if this boy is going to continue to be the best at what he does, he has to go to the next level. His talent's only going to get him so far. It's going to get him to probably 12 years old. And past 12 years old, this boy has to have a very, very strong mindset because now he's going to have to work his ass off to get to that next level. Mm. And most boys don't. Like if I think about the kids in my elementary school and middle school that that won every single field day contest, that was always the first pick for the basketball team. And I already thought about this and I've told my kids about this and I researched already. One is working a very minimum wage job right now doing doing something that that is uh, very monotonous. And the other one is a CPA, not saying anything is wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that they're not professional athletes. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're not professional athletes is because at some point their talent ran out and they gave up. Yeah, They didn't work hard. So what I'm instilling in my kids is we're not going to be talented at many things. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't talented at anything growing up, but I instilled a very hard work ethic and I got very tough mentally saying, okay, I'm just going to go through this process and I'm going to do it every day. And I'm going to be very intentional about working very hard. And if I just get 1% better every single day, eventually I'm going to be at the top. And that's what I keep trying to instill in my kids daily when things are, it's not easy. Homework's not easy. School's not easy. Sports aren't easy. Friendships aren't easy. And it's, it's at some point your talent runs out at how good you are. And you really have to have that mental capacity to really jump and get to that next level and be great. And it's interesting as kids, cause you're able to see who has the talent, like who's acing the spelling te- tests at first grade, but then in third grade, they're making F's. Like, yeah, they had talent to spell the one syllable words. Yeah. As soon as it gets to three syllable words, they don't have talent. And now they don't have the mental capacity to want to work hard to get there. Yeah. That's the message that that I try to instill. And in my salespeople, the same thing. Working on scripts, working on dialogues, working on overcoming objections. It's everything in life. Mm. But it's just getting past that when the talent runs out, how good are you going to be? So good. You had talked earlier about, um, you know, when you find a mentor, go all in on that one mentor. And it reminded me of, there's a scripture in Timothy that I think about a lot. I've thought about this for years. And and Paul's talking to Timothy about a, a certain type of person that is always learning, but never coming to the full knowledge of the truth. 
And I loved what you were talking about earlier, you know, and, and we were even talking about this a little bit offline, but when you said that, like when you find a mentor, go all in on them. And, and then you were talking about what your mentor said, even like, you you know, you're getting too, too distracted. And I'm not making excuses for this day and age, but I think more than ever, um, we have so much information at our fingertips, like you were saying yeah. that, you know, so my question for you is like, how do you, cause, cause I, I, I know you, I, I heard you before the podcast, I've been listening to you through it. Um, even just the piece of advice that you shared, like, how do you, when you get distracted or you see the next shiny thing, like, how do you bring yourself back to center and, and just realize that like, you don't necessarily need more knowledge. You just need execution. It's probably an immature answer, but I tell my mentor and then he immediately grounds me. So I'm not that good at grounding myself or my wife. You want to be humble. Tell your wife that you're going to do something mm. new. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, another great idea or whatever, you know, yeah. especially to my wife. I'm always bringing her ideas. And, uh, and but my mentor, I would say, always is the first one to say, OK, now, how did that how does that uh, go with your goals? And how many people do you know that's been extremely successful doing that? Mm. Um, I told you a, a story offline that there was one point that I kept coming to to him daily with different ideas or, Hey, why don't we do it like this? Or I saw this one guy was doing it like this, or I listened to this one coach and he said, if we just tweak this and did it like this, we could bring in this. And he goes, delete all your social media. You can't watch YouTube. You can't watch podcasts. And you listen to me for the next 90 days. Mm. Not one other voice is allowed in that head for the next 90 days, but me. And I've always been good at being coached like being coachable. I think it's, uh, and, and we hadn't explored this with Dr. Kelly that far yet, but I'm sure we're going to, but growing up, I was growing up in a time where all of my coaches were like ex Vietnam vets. They were very tough people mm. and they demanded respect. So if you didn't listen to them, you didn't play on the team. Wow. My dad was a Vietnam vet. If you didn't listen to him, you got a spanking or, or as a kid, I felt like I wasn't loved unless I followed his, his teachings exactly. Mm. So having a mentor in my life, who's very similar, like it's not scared to tell me, here's what you do and do it now. I just do it. Yeah. So I think that I just listen to that. And then some days, like after two weeks of him saying that, maybe I'd get a little squirrely again and I'd bring back another idea. No. Do you not remember what we did two weeks ago? So just having that grounding by a coach is important. And even the business coaches that I hire now, I'm very intentional on, on telling them that I need you to hold me accountable to my tasks. It's very easy once you reach a certain level of success or for most business coaches, because they don't want to lose you as clients, that they're not going to hold you extremely accountable. If they hold you too accountable, then maybe you won't like them and then you'll drop them and then they lose you as a coaching client. And then maybe you tell everybody that they weren't a good coach for you because they were they were too up your butt all the time or whatever it could be. So I, I need the coach who's going to when I jump on the call, he's like, OK, out of the things you did last week, what was most challenging? Man, you know, I just didn't really have time to do it. Hang up on me. Mm. Text me. See you again next week. Do what you're supposed to do. I need <laughs> that. And it's probably something as a kid that's really messed up that really yearns for that. But I do. Yeah. I really need somebody to hold me that accountable because I know that that, that comes from a place of love. Wow. So good. Well, I want to be cognizant of your time. You've given us so much value. So last question. Um, yeah. What are, what are like, what's one or two things in your personal life that are like non-negotiable with, you know, the wife, the kids, travel, vacation, whatever. Curious. 
Yeah, I would say for the wife and kids, it's no phones uh, in the house, like at the dinner table, no phones when we're playing games, when we're having activities, when we're in the backyard and we're playing around. That's a non-negotiable for me. Um, no phones on date nights, a big non-negotiable for me and my wife. Like we, we leave the phones in the cars and we go out and we do our own things. Uh, non-negotiable is prayers with the kids, mm-hmm. which is really good. Um, I love like listening to my kids pray is one of the most humbling experiences of your life when wow. you're a father like seeing them like genuinely connected with something bigger. We just changed churches and I just had like the most incredible experience that this new church that we go to is kind of like my old school church growing up where the kids are there for like the first 20 minutes of church. And then like they call them and they go to like their own kid service. And so you're able to hear your kids sing, Mm. you know, like I don't think I've ever been in an environment where my kid was like screaming gospel music next to me (laughs) or like, uh, or whatever it could be. Like there was one point and I'm just speaking about church. I'm getting off on a tangent here. Like one point of the songs is like, uh, I I lift my hands to you, Lord, or something. And so uh, you sing the phrase and my daughter just threw both of her hands in the air. And I'm like, wow. Because I overthink that stuff, right? It's like, yeah, man, that would be nice. But like, who else watching this? Like, how uncomfortable am I going to feel like doing something like that? And my daughter just reads these lines. Like, I lift my hands and she just goes all in, like zero thought. Zero thought. Like, I'm going. And uh, that's really just, uh, it's brought me so much joy recently. So that, that's been a non-negotiable is going to that church service because it's grounding me. It's mm. really grounding me on what's important in this life. So good. Well, again, huge value, man. Um, is any any final last words? Anything that's really on your heart that you need to share? Or? Nah, man. I really appreciate you having me, dude. And yeah. uh, hopefully brought a little bit of value. I don't know if we talked about investing too much, but uh, but hopefully we brought some value somewhere. Well, I, I hardly ever talk that much about actual investing because... You know, I, I, I mean, there's, there's plenty of YouTube videos on how to buy your first property, right? So maybe just for some perspective, I mean, you run a huge real estate firm. We've already talked about that, but you've got other investments, businesses. Maybe just give us a quick overview of that. Yeah. So I, uh, I'll tell you that I had, I bought my first property in 2015. I was two years into real estate because one of the agents in the office was a short sale specialist, got this short sale in this residential house and another agent was buying it and the bank found out and wouldn't pay him a real estate commission. And they were behind me. And the agent that wasn't getting paid the commission was screaming at the listing agent representing the bank. And he was like, in the, in the listing agent representing the bank was like, you idiot, you're about to lose this over a $3,000 commission check. It's the principle of it. Like, I'm not dealing with this bank. He walked away. And uh, I like made eye contact with him. And he's like, what? And I was like, what are you guys talking about? He goes, I have this incredible deal and blah, blah, blah. And you can get it for this. And he got approved on the loan and we're already done. They just found out he was a real estate agent, wouldn't pay him commission on it. So now he's, now he's all pissed off. He's walking away. And I was like, I, I want to do it. Like, if you think it's that good, he was an experienced agent, number one agent in the market during the 08, 09, 2010, because he got in with banks. So he's doing foreclosures and short sales. I was like, I'll do it. And uh, that bug just bit me, dude. As soon as I bought one, I wanted more. I figured out cost segregations. I figured out bonus depreciation. I figured out that I could offset my earned income by buying these properties. So I calculated every single month. It was like, I made this amount. These were my expenses. Here's how much I'm paying taxes on. I need to spend this amount of money to pay zero taxes. And I just kept leveraging that up every single month. Um, I grew a family, single family home portfolio of probably like 18 or 19 houses before I really got interested in multifamily. I bought some four unit, six unit, eight unit, 10 unit building in South Carolina, everything was in my market. Um, One thing that I would say that is a talent of mine is being a heavy prospector. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I knew what I needed to do, I knew who I needed to go after to get it. 
So created the call list, called these people, uh, used automation, voicemail drop, text messaging, emails, uh, got their got their emails, was direct marketing them on Facebook. I mean, we were going every step and I knew exactly what I needed. It's like, okay, I made $800,000 in the last quarter. I need to offset that, meaning that I have to buy whatever it was, $1.7, $1.8 million worth of real estate. Um, given the average price point of these houses, that means I got to buy 11 houses in the next quarter. Let's go. Um, so I analyzed it and just went. And then eventually I made friends that were in the self-storage space. So I started buying some self-storage facilities, which I absolutely love. Um, and then I bought some mobile home parks, four mobile home parks that I own right now. Um, I have an insurance company, which I really like. And then I have a building company where we just build uh, spec homes, nothing fancy, just boxes. Uh, we try to buy land in some of the nicest neighborhoods for low prices. And then we build the smallest house in the neighborhood with no fancy frills. And uh, we make probably sixty to 80000 a house. So we don't absolutely kill it. But if the market ever went to a recession, we can rent those houses off up and make like seven and a half to nine percent on our money so we're just playing like a safe play on building 15 20 houses a year so you're not only successful in relationships and marriage and parenting and you're you're a successful investor i love it <laughs> i'd say dude i work on all of it yeah and say yeah i mean I, I really appreciate you saying that man it means a lot um because i'm always not judging myself but i'm measuring how i how i feel like i'm doing like am i being a good husband am i mm -hmm. being a good father being a good partner to my business partners. And uh, I, I would say I'm intentional about it, dude. I have, a, I have a journal right here. I use that DLP journal, which I think is absolutely incredible. And um, and I really focus every day on who am I being? Who mm. am I being? So good. Well, are you active on social media or out there anywhere? Or where can people find you? Barely. I know it's like the, the most negative thing about me. So, uh, so I, I do have a Facebook. Yeah, I do have a Facebook. I'm hardly ever on it. I think I got scarred from my mentor telling me not to be on social media. And then I started really enjoying that. But uh, yeah, I'm on social media. If you Google me, you'll find me easy because I am a real estate agent. So I have to throw my information everywhere. So my number, my email, everything's out there. If I can provide any words of encouragement to anybody, I'm happy to do it. And uh, yeah, man, it was, a, it was an honor being here with you, dude. And I really respect you as a person. And I can't wait to grow our relationship. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on. And for the audience, uh, Kevin softly committed to coming and speaking in the elite community. So if this has piqued your interest, um, yeah. I would, uh, I would make sure that you join the elite community. We have conversations offline, things that Kevin probably wouldn't want to talk about here, although he's an open book. Um, but yeah, if you want to dig into process or any of that, Kevin will be on a future episode. So text the word elite to 480-531-7519 and we'll get you in the community and you can hear from amazing people like Kevin and everybody else that's in there. So thanks again for being on the show, brother. Yeah, dude. Loved it. Thanks so much for having me, man. Thank you. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala.